Switch to T-Mobile and get four lines for just 30 bucks each and the incredible iPhone 11 on us so you can take a portrait photo of the whole family with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry into T-Mobile and get four lines for 30 bucks each and the incredible iPhone 11 on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Finance agreements required. Welcome to a brand new episode of Product and Growth Stories Podcast. This is your host, Varun Mittal. As any startup evolves, it goes through different stages such as validating an idea or establishing product market fit or scaling up. Whether you are a founder or a product manager, you need to understand the dynamics of product management as your startup goes through different stages. Today, my guest is serial entrepreneur Subinder Khurana. Subinder has a track record of establishing startups and successfully exiting them through multiple times. He has been on the advisory board of several startups, including Druva Software, Authbridge, WTI Cables, Denev, and Power to SME. He was a part of the core team of Market RX, which was acquired by Cognizant. In the last episode, Subinder shared his time-tested approaches on how to best manage products in idea and product validation stages. Let's cover the next two stages, product market fit and scaling up in this episode with Subinder. Let's move to the next one. The third phase which you mentioned was is product market fit. To start with, I would want to ask you, define product market fit. A product market fit is a state where your product exactly fits with the customer and the market and the channel. The key word here is fit. And you're fitting everything in the value chain from your product configuration to how you position it, your value proposition to the channel you use, the business model you use, how you charge for it, which customers you target, and how you, it gets deployed in the customer side, as well as the ecosystem. So ecosystem is the partner ecosystem or the configuration or the ecosystem that your product lives inside. Whether you bundle it or host it on a standard cloud service, whether you package it and, and sell it along with an ERP, So those are all the things which have to fit together in a way that customers want it and are willing to pay for it in large numbers. Yeah, in large numbers. So that's something interesting because in product validation, you talked about a customer is willing to pay. And here we are talking about the scale or the frequency in which they want to pay, I believe. Huh. This is the beginnings of scale. So yes, customers are coming in large numbers and your product promise, your product configuration is so appealing that customers just want it, right? And so your job now shifts from having to discover what that need is and actively sell into it. Your job now becomes ensuring that you remove all friction because you've already validated that the customer needs your product. They have a need. You understand how the product will work, the adoption issues, the business model or payment issues. Now you just want to take away all points of friction, whether that friction is in integration, whether the friction is coming in training or adoption, whether the friction is in the business model or payment channels. You just want to remove those 
and ensure that you are addressing the mainstream customers at this stage. You're not talking about the early adopters anymore because now you have sufficient proof that your product works. You have sufficient numbers of reference customers now. The scale should really start to take off at this stage. Interestingly, I believe this is a stage when you actually start looking at revenue numbers and maybe other goals. How should founders define those business goals or product goals at this stage? You know, revenue, uh, absolutely. Number of customers, repeat customers, absolutely. And your uh, customer satisfaction scores, whether it is the NPS or other scores, absolutely makes sense over here. I think the, your big goal is to remove friction. Your big goal is to remove friction and to improve the quality of fit. Iteratively, you should be saying, how do I either with every experiment that you do, every iteration, every improvement should be that am I removing, let's say, one step required in purchasing the product, discovery, evaluation to uh, decision approval and purchase? Or am I aligning the different constituents more tightly? So am I aligning my channel, for example, with the target customer more tightly? If my customers, for example, are, let's say, using my product along with an SAP or any ERP solution, this is the stage where I should be bundling my product along with that ERP. Because not only is that a great channel for me, it's removing one point of friction from the customer's perspective. The big goal that the entrepreneur or the product manager should have is identify and remove those points of friction or identify and improve those points of alignment of it. The scale will come from then the size of market that you're addressing at this stage. I believe at this stage, it's of great importance to make your customer successful because you have got a bunch of customers, maybe through references or some recommendations from your connects. And then to ensure that your customer base scales up going forward, you need to make your customers successful, irrespective of the number of customers you have. So any thoughts on this? Yes. So you're always, of course, you're in it to make your customers successful. But your obsession with customer success should be at the earlier phases, especially in the second phase, which is your product validation. That's when you really go out of your way to make your customer successful, both because you need to have that proof point or validation. But more importantly, you want to learn. You want to take as much learning as you can from what works for customers and what doesn't and incorporate as much of that as possible in your product itself. At the product market fit stage, you should have already figured that part out. And this is where you start to build up your partner ecosystem because you know what makes customers successful. You are ensuring that that is all available either within your product or as part of the collateral of your product or through your partner ecosystem. You're also able to now offer guides to customers on how best to use your product or maybe there is a system integrator or a consultant ecosystem who is now learning your product and is able to take responsibility for customer success. Because now you need to start thinking more about scale. Customer success, absolutely very important. But you should have figured it out in the second phase and apply those principles over here rather than take responsibility for customer success. 
at scale, you will not be able to do that. At scale, you will not be able to work very detailed or very deep. The other thing which kind of comes out in this is working with partners. This is a stage where you start to build partnerships, where you either channel partnerships or integration partnerships. A very common mistake I see entrepreneurs and product managers make is try to build channel partnerships very early on. And they often think that that is their way to sales and to scale. Reality is that before you've really established your product proposition, where you've established customer success, before you've done that, partners will actually get in the way. Partners will not be able to sell your product very effectively. You have to ensure that you've discovered and validated your solution product proposition, as well as ensured customer success so that you've created the proof points. The mistake that very often is made is to look for channel partnerships early on, whereas now is the time. Once you've started to see the product market fit already, now is the time to start developing partnerships because it'll start to give scale. It'll start to deliver customer success through your partner ecosystem where you may not have the scale to do it yourself. In product market fit, as you've started offering your product to the customers for a price, what level of customer experience should PMs set up? There are two parts to my answer. First is that like everything else, like every product promise, it's very contextual. Whether customer experience is more important than a particular capability in the product, it depends. It depends on your customer, depends on what their needs are and what their resources are. But the second part of the answer is customer experience is paramount. And in fact, in today's uh, environment, if all you have is a better customer experience, which means that you have a product which absolutely does not offer any new capability, does not offer anything new in terms of what problems it can solve for the customer, but just delivers a better customer experience, that could itself be a very compelling proposition. Right? And we've seen that. I mean, Slack is one very good example where the feature set it offers has been available or had been available for a long time but it just offered a far superior customer experience and that was enough to make it a unicorn. Absolutely. We talked about competition in first two phases and we said not just get engrossed in the competition and studying competition products and, and your product itself. But at this stage now, since your customers have started using the product, they're the guys who actually pull you into your product and competition space. Any thoughts? Yes. Inevitably, you'll run far more into competition at this stage. It's also because you're selling to mainstream customers and you may not be able to uh, navigate the sales process to avoid competition, which is essential to do in the second phase. Inevitably, you will get into feature comparisons. And also at this stage, you can't get by with an MVP. You have to have a complete solution to your customer. But the core comment still stands. You have to make sure that you're not building a feature only because a competitor also offers. At this stage, you absolutely have to understand your competition. You have to be able to do comparisons. Only caveat is don't get into feature comparisons still. Get into value comparisons or get into fit comparisons. And of course, you have to track your competitors also to make sure that 
uh, you understand where the market opportunities are. Because at this stage, you have to be looking at large segments and multiple large segments. Yeah, as PMs are driving it, initially, it is observed in the initial phases that founders act as PMs are now in product market fit as there is a bit of a scale. What do you recommend uh, founders to start hiring PMs, start making a team because they will reach to a point when actually you would want to scale the product and your business? Very true. So at this stage, a couple of things that happen in the very early stages, like you said, the entrepreneurs themselves are product managers and they can have people assisting them. So whether it is on the technology side of product management or it's on the sales and marketing side, depending on their own skill set, depending on where they want to work, they could have a team under them who's supplementing their own uh, skills and capacity. At this stage, you need to start having a very serious, dedicated product management function in your company. Part of it is that now you're talking about a complete product. So it's not just, this is a problem I'm solving and I'm building just enough to solve that problem. You need to have a complete product which offers a much richer or more complete set of functionality. It also has to worry about the ecosystem. So you need to have channel partnerships. You need to be integrated into other products around. So that's where you need to start putting in full-fledged product management function place. You also need to start developing a roadmap for the product, which you may not have done in the first couple of phases. In the first couple of phases, you definitely need a product vision, but not necessarily a detailed product roadmap because your primary function is largely about discovery. Learning trumps results in the first couple of phases. In the product market fit stage, results start to take precedence over the rest of it. You still have to be a learning organization, but you have to measure and you have to give precedence to results. Absolutely, now you need to start to staff up the product management function. The way I usually like to think about it is, even though you have only one product, it may be now suitable for more than one use case or more than one target segment. It could be that you are addressing multiple geographies. You have one version of the product or one configuration of the product for the domestic market, one maybe for the international market. You could have a different configuration of the product for different industry verticals. It's good to have specialized product management teams for each of those individual product segments. Of course, that's not a hard and fast rule. It depends on how different those product segments are. But you know, wherever you have a large addressable market and a specialized need for your product, you need to have a specialized product management team dedicated to that. Now moving from product market fit to scaling up stage, I believe as ah. much as startup scale is a desired stage for product entrepreneur, it is also one of the most challenging stage I believe it's a stage where all business functions in a startup need to be well in sync for the desired success. Right. What should be right. the internal key focus areas for the founding team from functional perspective, fitting in marketing, sales, product support, and HR functions? Huh. I think Varun, you put it very nicely that this is a stage where it needs to work like a machine. It needs to work like a well-oiled machine. And you're really your goal in the first three phases, if you really go one level deep, is to ensure that you're building a well-oiled machine. In the first phase, you are 
putting up a straw man. The second phase, you're actually putting in the engine to see that you have something valuable. In the third phase, you're ensuring that all the parts are in there for the machine and they all work together. And in the fourth phase, you just want to make sure that it's well-tuned, well-oiled, and you're pumping in enough fuel to make it go fast. So the main thing that what is very, very important at this stage is for you to have very good numbers about your customer lifetime value, the customer acquisition cost, your retention rates, your referral rates, things which ensure that you are scaling up predictably as well as your ROI numbers are good. The focus here becomes, I need predictability, first of all, and I need numbers, hard numbers, second. And once you have those, then you can really look at it more as a financial engineering exercise as well. For example, if you say, look, I invest so much, I invest in X amount to acquire a customer and my retention rates and my lifetime value gives me a certain return on that. It's simple math now to figure out how to scale it up very, very rapidly by pumping money. And even if you're getting into losses in the short term, you're pumping in cash to acquire customers because you will get the yield over time, the revenues over time. That's actually very, very good because you have good predictability on what those numbers will be. You can ensure good ROI on those investments. Here, the idea is predictability. Here, the idea is to scale as quickly as possible and uh, to really invest heavily on sales and marketing to ensure that you are grabbing the pole position, ensuring that you're not leaving in the market share or capturing the market. Those become very important. The other thing that you've got to be very careful about is, and this is where the competition part comes in, this is the time where you could actually be disrupted yourself. Typically, you would have disrupted something else in the first couple of phases. Like you said, in the product validation phase, what you're looking for is a solution which is dramatically better than what's out there. So you don't get into feature comparisons. At this stage, you could be that product who is getting disrupted by somebody who is dramatically better. You have to make sure that uh, your product management is staying close to the customer, ensuring that there is customer success happening, keeping an eye out on competition, make sure that you're not leaving a large gap in the market that some new upstart can come in and use to disrupt you. And then, of course, your product itself you have to make sure that you are making it very robust, very scalable. Your performance is usually optimized. In the first couple of phases or even up to product market fit, usually it's a mistake to worry about performance optimization. But this is a stage where you can't compromise on the engineering aspects of the product. On all aspects, we really now have to get very professional, whether it is from a sales and marketing, which is all about scale, finance, you have to be very obsessively looking at metrics. Its predictability becomes very, very important. You can't afford to be slightly off because if you're slightly off and you've invested a lot of money in acquiring customers, your returns could be way off the charts and all your ROI calculations could go badly wrong. You have to be very strong on the competition and knowing your customer aspect to ensure you're not disrupted. And of course, your product engineering and product functionality itself, you have to ensure that uh, you're robust, you are scalable, 
and you're keeping up with uh, the technology changes that are happening so that you can scale up the engineering as the capabilities grows. If you get new capabilities, your product has to leverage them to ensure that you're giving a good response to your customers. What are the typical product and business goals at this stage? This is where it starts to look more and more like a, I mean, it is a real company, right? At the scale-up stage, you're looking at all the usual metrics of what are your growth rates. You have to be growing very rapidly. Of course, it's called scale-up stage. You have to ensure sales efficiency and marketing efficiency. You have to look at product scalability. The only thing is profitability at a corporate level may not come because you are typically over-investing in customer acquisition. You're over-investing in growth. But at a unit level, at a customer level, you absolutely have to be profitable at this stage. You may not be profitable overall. and That is because you are over-investing in growth right now. But you have very good control of how much you're investing in growth and what is your ROI on that investment. Absolutely, it makes sense. Now, you talked about making your internal engine well-oiled and robust so that you can scale up. What aspects of your external ecosystem the founding team should look at as the startup scales up? At the scale-up stage, you're becoming a part of the ecosystem. You really have to be very watchful of the overall ecosystem and not just the competition. You have to now understand where you fit in vis-a-vis the competition, but also with the partner ecosystem or with uh, companies or with, with offerings which are upstream and downstream from your product. If you're building in a solution, again, let's say for supply chain, now you have to understand also maybe there are downstream offerings which complement your product. Maybe you're offering the software, somebody else is offering the warehousing or the transportation, and now you have to start working with them seamlessly. It goes back to removing points of friction. The entrepreneurs and the product managers have to really understand the ecosystem very well and how they fit inside that ecosystem and how can they fit even better to improve value or reduce friction for the customer. And this is a stage where PMs scale the product as well to support business scale. Again, do you recommend a predefined roadmap, maybe a larger roadmap? based on your market research and then competition analysis and your broader key goals you have set for yourself? Absolutely. So the roadmap has to be fairly well defined at this stage. And again, for multiple reasons, A, you're a bigger machine. There are more moving parts and you can't uh, plan on the fly. You have to be agile still, but you need to have a roadmap out there. Also because now you're working very closely with the partner ecosystem. And so the more visibility and predictability you're able to give your partners, the better they can work with you. Even your customers, they are now mainstream customers and would want to know where your product is going. So from all aspects, you need to have a much more sharply defined product roadmap, which you may not have done in the first couple of phases because you're also learning, the market is also discovering what you're all about. And there's not partners or customers who are demanding that you tell us what you're planning to do. But at this stage, you absolutely have to be much more proactive about planning and communication about where you want to go. And what is the typical structure and the size of a product management team founders look at at this stage? 
That depends a lot, Varun. Obviously, the requirements are growing, so your team starts to get larger. Personally, I'm not an advocate for very large teams usually, but then it depends. It's very contextual. We've all heard the story of WhatsApp with all of 19 people, right? Which included everything. Obviously, you don't need a very large product management team. It it depends. I mean, if you're in a complex environment and you have enterprise customers who you need to meet regularly and there are multiple segments, multiple partners, your team also has to have appropriate scale to be able to address that. All right. So we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Subinder, for your deep insights into product management aspects of a startup journey. I'm sure this is going to provide uh, much more clarity to PMs and founders in catering to their startup product challenges. How can our listeners reach out to you? First of all, Varun, thank you very much for the engaging conversation and uh, all the deep questions and giving me this opportunity. Listeners can reach out to me. Best is to email me at subinder at gmail.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn and otherwise on the web. Usually I'll respond to mails. Just email me and especially if you put in a reference to this podcast, I'll ensure that I'll reply to you. And I look forward to hearing, especially from entrepreneurs. Great. Thanks to all of you who are listening to this podcast for all your love and support. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. We would look for your encouraging comments so that we could bring much more exciting topics on product management and marketing. Till then, I wish you an exciting startup journey. Switch to T-Mobile and get four lines for just 30 bucks each and the incredible iPhone 11 on us. So you can take a portrait photo of the whole family with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry into T-Mobile and get four lines for 30 bucks each and the incredible iPhone 11 on us with qualifying trade-ins. Be at 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Finance agreements required.